0: given me and, and blessed me with and, and taking my talents and, and trying to glorify him through through uh, my passions and my talents. So. Because we need Christians whose faith is alive right now. God doesn't ask for anything in return from us. He just wants us to trust him and believe that you know he is the almighty and sent his son Jesus here to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins. I'd rather share a Bible verse on Sunday morning with an audience of a hundred than just try to sell products and not make any difference at all to an audience of a million. And then it's like, well, that's settled. Let's go. <laughs> we sit back and we we develop this envious jealousy inside of us because somebody else is living the life that we want while we sit down and don't do anything about it. Get out. Go enjoy it. And then, of course, you know, you and I would say, get in the woods. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Rice Kelly Podcast. My name is Tyler Pruitt. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I know, I know it's been a while. I know what you're thinking. It's been a while since we put another episode out. But nonetheless, we do have one coming out today. Um, if this is your first time joining me on the Rice Kelly Podcast, thank you so much for taking a chance and listening to what this show offers. This show is about three things. And it's about these things in this order. It's God, freedom, and the great outdoors. Those are the three things that we want to emphasize during the show. We've had some incredible guests on the show that have really embodied that lifestyle of, and that lifestyle and the culture of enjoying the pursuit of those three things, God, freedom, and the great outdoors. And it's been an incredible blessing for me as the host and the founder of this show to be able to talk with some people that share that same mentality and share that same love and passion for the pursuit of those things. And again, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of this, of the Rise Complete podcast. Now today, I don't have an interview wind up for you guys. Uh, I'm actually in the process of getting a few of them scheduled right now. Um, scheduling right now is a little, little crazy as far as the, the whole podcast still goes. Uh, as you, many of you guys know, I, I do have a full-time job that I also work. So that's getting a little busy right now. Um, I'm a school, I'm a public school teacher, so I'm sure, I'm sure as many of you guys know, uh, that's a little bit chaotic right now. So scheduling is a little tricky on my end and of course on the, on the end of the guests. So I am working on a few of those interview guests and I do have some good ones lined up. I've got a long list of, of names of people that I want to talk to, try to get to in the year of 2021. So I'm super excited to be able to get those scheduled and get those kind of prepping as we uh, move forward throughout this year, this calendar year. Uh, Of course, this is February as I'm recording this. This will post at the end of February. And uh, I'm sure many of you guys have already made the transition to thinking about turkeys. I know I definitely have. And uh, for some of you guys that enjoy shed hunting, I'm sure you've gotten out and doing that kind of thing too. Um, I I enjoy shed hunting personally, uh, but you can't necessarily eat the antlers. So that's not something I'm, I'm not super excited about, but I can definitely appreciate the pursuit of those things. Now, anyway, back to my, uh, original point. I don't have, I don't have an interview set up today. Um, but I, I, what I do want to do, this is something I've been kind of thinking about doing for a while and just didn't really know how to approach it and didn't really know if I could do it just because of resources and whatever. And, um, basically my own knowledge and my own shortcomings, but I want to, do basically like a, a a summary type of of different books in the Bible. So basically I would take a a small section of the books of the Bible and kinda of do this in, I guess, successive order, where you would take a small section, you know, talk about those, do an exegesis of those few things and break them down verse by verse. Of course, mention the meaning of what those uh, verses in that that passage actually mean. And just kind of do that going along throughout the entire book of these different books in the bible now i'm sure many of you guys have heard of the unashamed podcast that's with uh phil robertson alan robertson and uh jace robertson they they do something very similar to this they obviously do it in a way more entertaining fashion than i do um you know got that got three of them sometimes they'll bring on guests and that kind of thing if you guys haven't listened to the unashamed podcast i definitely recommend doing that because they have some uh great wholesome conversations and do some great interviews with some awesome people. But uh, they'll kind of do, they'll pick a book in the Bible, like they just finished up John here recently. They'll pick a book in the Bible, and they'll kind of take each section and kind of discuss what the significance and what the meaning is of that section. So I wanted to kind of do something very similar. So in a way, I'm taking their idea, but I guess in a way I'm not. But the book I chose to kind of start with, because it's a small book, it's a book I've been studying here lately, called uh, James. All right, so it's in the very back of the Bible. Um, I guess not very back, but towards the back of the Bible, um, right before you get to Revelation and right before you get to 1st, 2nd Peter. What else is back here? Let's see. we got a couple small little books back here, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so it's one of the small books that's in the back of the Bible right before Revelation. And I like it because it is so heavily packed. Okay, what I mean by that is that it's it's very, very stout. I guess with the amount of content, with the amount of stuff that it can be found in it, it's a very confrontational book, meaning that James was writing this book to a group of people, basically to tell them how to to straighten up. <laughs> they were, they were lacking in a lot of different aspects of their life as believers, and James is writing this book to this group, basically telling telling them to straighten up and start acting like christians and start acting like believers now um james doing a little bit of historical context here um you can actually find this in acts chapter 15 and in 21 james was a leader of the church in jerusalem okay so he was talking to a group of uh you know mostly jews that he's going to be discussing here and we've talked in the past about the difference between jews and gentiles so jews are obviously uh Israelites, they're the they're the people from Israel. They're God's chosen people from the Old Testament, and then Gentiles is basically anybody else. Okay, so you have Jewish believers, you have, uh, I guess we'd call them now. Hopefully, I'm not misrepresenting them, but call them now Messianic Jews. Um, we also have Gentiles, which would be pretty much everybody who's not a Jew that is a believer. All right, so as far as the context of the Book of James here, what we have is. James writing this letter to a group of believers, you know, most likely Jewish believers that are not quite holding up to what they need to be doing. Okay. So I'm going to, for this first, I guess, part of this series that I'm going to be working through and, you know, as I, as I'm kind of studying myself and as I'm kind of working through it myself, um, I'll be putting this stuff kind of out and it's not necessarily going to be in any kind of certain order. I may have some interviews thrown in during this series, um, but just kind of work through it work through it together. But for this first section, I wanted to start out with verse one and go down to verse eight. So this is gonna be James one, verses one through eight. All right. So I will read it all the way through first and then we'll kind of start with the the individual breaking down because as I'm kind of explaining it, I like to to stop and think about little phrases and that kind of thing. So reading it all the way through, James one, verses one through eight. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. First 2. Count on all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. All right, so that's out of the ESV version, the English Standard Version. So again, that's verses 1 through 8 of James 1. So to kind of start with our our breakdown here, all right. So obviously we're going to start with verse one. So a lot of the the Bibles, it's a lot a lot of the Bible books, a lot of the letters that were written specifically to people, they will start out. You see this with Paul. He'll he'll do this quite a bit. Uh, I think pretty much every time he writes a letter to somebody, he puts his name at the very beginning. Okay, that's what James does here too. He says James, a servant of God. Okay, so, servant, as far as like contextual uh, rendering goes, I think the word is doulos. It's a Greek word. I'm obviously not Greek. I haven't studied Greek, but my Bible says in the footnote down here that it's doulos, D O U L O S. All right, so a servant, like a slave, okay, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting about this is that James, the one writing this, is actually. Jesus's half-brother, okay? We call it half-brother because, obviously, Jesus was conceived of a virgin, okay? So he doesn't have a biological father, okay? As far as Jesus goes, doesn't have a biological father because God, Yahweh, is his father, okay? Because conceived of a virgin. So James, however, same mom, Mary, <laughs> but obviously a different dad, okay, Joseph, all right? So James would be Jesus considered Jesus's half-brother, all right? so. What's interesting, though, is that he doesn't mention that here. He doesn't do the name drop, family name drop thing that he definitely could do in this scenario. But he calls himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he is considering he recognizes who Jesus is. OK, he's one of the one of the disciples. Recognizes who Jesus is as the son of the living God. And instead of considering himself, you know, the half brother as he's. Uh, Approaching this group that he's writing to, he, consider, he considers himself a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just thought that was interesting, um, you know, that he would kind of use that title for himself in this scenario. Okay, so moving on here, he's writing to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Okay, so I also did a, a study, you know, a personal study through Acts, and whenever that word dispersion came up, it immediately brought me back to Acts chapter eight, so I did a little bit of research, and as far as I can tell, uh, this is the same. This is a reference to the same event. Okay, so Acts chapter eight, um, there was a dispersion. You know, right after Stephen was stoned, uh, there was some great persecution. You know, the the Roman Empire uh, was trying to take out the Christians, but instead, and as a result, the Christians, you know, moved out and they they started. Uh, preaching the gospel in other places and what what the roman empire was trying to do was trying to stomp out the the christian faith in the the faith in christ but in reality what they ended up doing was just spreading it further almost like white like, almost like wildfire so instead of uh, so if you think of it like a like a wildfire scenario you have a campfire you stomp it out and embers go everywhere it starts fires other places okay so instead of actually accomplishing the goal that the roman empire the roman empire wanted to accomplish what they did instead was just make their matters worse as far as from their perspective. But of course God's kingdom is not going to be able to be stopped just by, by that it's, it's lasted this long. It's not going to stop from, you know, some, some Romans Roman empire trying to take it out. And what's ironic about that even further is that the Roman empire no longer exists now. Like you think about what Rome is now, it's a tourist city in Italy. Like it's, it's nothing at this point. I just thought that was interesting. So anyway, uh, James is writing to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. All right, so go check out Acts chapter 8 for that. All right, so verse 2, this is where it gets real good. Well, I mean, it's all good, but this is where it gets the meaty part of the the passage here. Okay, so verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. All right, so other translations may say consider it pure joy, consider it joy. Um, I'm actually probably going to name this episode, consider it pure joy. But basically what he's saying here is that we have a choice. Okay. So that, that first word, consider it or count it. Okay. That's an active word. It's, we call those verbs. Okay. And going back to my teacher instincts, I guess a little bit. So that's an active word. So that means we have a choice to participate in this or not. Okay. So we have a choice in how we choose to view these five, these, trials and we have a choice to make it joyful. Okay. Now joyful, joy and happiness are not synonymous. They're not the same thing. All right. So joy is not happiness. Happiness is very superficial. Uh it's, you know, donuts make me happy. <laughs> you know, can't get an amen for that. Donuts make me happy. And but donuts are not joyful. Okay. Um, you know, whenever my favorite sports team wins, that makes me happy. but That's not joyful. All right. So joyful or joy is a spiritual fulfillment. Okay. You can do a whole episode just on that word alone, but it's, it's basically in a sense, it's a, it's spiritual fulfillment. All right. So James is telling us to consider it pure joy to face trials of many kinds. Okay. So another thing here is, Another interesting part of this verse here is that it mentions trials. It doesn't say, you know, if trials come, it's not, it's not mentioning the option of trials coming or not. It's basically inevitable. Like we're all going to meet these trials. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds and not just one kind. That's the thing It's like, it may be health. It may be, uh, finances. It may be, you know, you lost your job. It may be. I mean a, a slew of things. I mean it, hardships are going to come in many shapes and sizes and maybe persecution maybe troubles, you know, it, it, it can come in many shapes and sizes and we have the option here, you know, just looking at verse two here to consider it pure joy, consider it a spiritual fulfillment opportunity in order to face these trials in a joyful way. All right. So now one, Other thing I wanted to mention here is that, you know, I I may ruffle some feathers here and, you know, whatever it is what it is, but the whole name and claim of health and wealth, this prosperity type gospel that seems to be gaining more and more ground in our American Western culture is a straight lie. All right. So in this verse right here kind of speaks directly to that. All right. So. James is, again, he's telling us that we're going to face trials. He's not saying it's going to be easy. Like this is not going to be an easy life. Being a believer is not going to be an easy life. And if you think it's going to be easy life, then you're going to be rudely awakened. All right. So this is going to be something that, like we said, trials are inevitable. So this idea that you can, you know, somehow have enough faith to where you can have enough money to buy, you know, that brand new SUV that you want, or that you can have, or enough faith in God that you won't ever be sick. Okay, that's that's ridiculous. It's not true, and the Bible does not <laughs> say anything about that. So please be careful whenever you hear those types of things. There's there's whole groups, and a lot of them are in mainstream you know, Christian culture, uh, that will use this type of theology, theology, and they will preach this type of theology within their churches, and their leaders will preach this type of theology, and it's a lie. And this verse right here really points in a lot of ways to that, uh, to that truth. All right. So again, verse two, consider it pure joy to face trials of many kinds and joy. True joy comes from knowing God has a plan to, to grow us. Okay. To grow us in our faith in him. Okay. So these, these opportunities, these trials, they are an opportunity for us to grow in him. I I'm getting a little, a little bit ahead of myself here. Uh, here, let me go ahead. Before I get into that, let me go ahead and read verse three. All right. So verse three, for, you know, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, you know, I've, I've been a Christian for a while. Not my entire life is uh, probably about half my life. I've been a Christian and I've always heard this word steadfastness and I never knew what it meant. <laughs> you know, That's a little bit of a confessional for me. I never knew what steadfastness meant. So after doing a little bit of research, looking at some different uh, translations, looking at some different translations, looking at some different things, I figured out that it, it means perseverance. Okay, so in, in a way, you could read this like, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. All right, that might be the NIV uh, translation, actually. All right, so whenever you put this, because verse verses two and verses three, it's kind of the same sentence. Whenever you read these two verses together, consider it pure joy to face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. All right, so this joy, again, it comes from knowing God has a plan for us to grow in our faith in Him. All right, so as many of you guys may have heard in some of my interviews and stuff, kind of just talking about uh, my professional life, I was an athletic trainer for uh, three or four years, however long it was, prior to becoming a teacher. And part of that job is being there whenever athletes get hurt. Okay, so um, any sports fan knows that sometimes athletes get hurt you know, any, any reasonable person knows that sometimes people get hurt and what you need is somebody to come along beside you and help build you back up. Okay. So in a way this kind of has that same scenario. Okay. You're going to face trials. They're going to hurt. All right. And you're going to use that opportunity to test your faith and to produce that perseverance. Okay. It may not even necessarily be a, a painful event, but even just weightlifting Okay, anybody that has weight lifted, or if you've gone out in the yard and done yard work for an entire day, or if you've built a deck or any, any kind of manual labor, the next day you're sore because your muscles have been broken down. But over time, those muscles start to feel better. You know, give it two or three days, they'll start to feel better. Uh, depending on your age, maybe a little bit longer, <laughs> a few days, you'll start to feel better. Okay. Cause your muscles are healing and they're getting stronger as a result. So in the same way, whenever we face these trials, we're getting broken down. But then we're getting built back up by the joy that only comes through God. And it makes us stronger, makes our faith stronger in him. So this testing is stretching us to our limits as far as what we're able to handle. Okay. And it's building us back up as a result. Now, uh, you know, if maybe you're not a sports guy, maybe you've never built a deck or maybe you've never done any kind of manual labor. Maybe you're familiar with cars. You know, we're all them. We're all familiar with cars. You know, whenever a new car, a prototype of a new car is being built and tested and being, you know, driven, what they do is they test that car and put it to its limits. Okay. They don't build a car, you know, and never test it and just park it and sell it. Okay. They have to see what the car is made of. All right. In the same way, that's kind of what's going on with us in our faith. God has seen what we're made of. Okay. We're seeing, He's seeing how, how serious we are whenever these, these scenarios come. And, It's only going to be successful. We're only going to have find success in getting through these trials if God is the one that is is driving the car. Okay. He's got to be the one that is in the driver's seat. You know, I don't I don't wanna bash anybody's grandma or grandpa who has this bump this bumper sticker or this license plate, but these license plates that say God is my co pilot or Jesus is my co pilot, well, I get it. I get what they're saying. I get what, the, I get what the the point of it is. But in reality, God should be the pilot. He should be the one driving the car, and we're the co-pilot. We're the one along, we're in the passenger seat, in the back seat, along for the ride. Yeah, so in that way, God is the one who is driving us towards these trials, and he's the one that's going to ultimately be able to get us through it. All right, so the word faith, I think that's a word that gets thrown around a lot and something that you know, I think a lot of people probably don't even know what it is if you ask them what faith was, probably couldn't even give it, give you a definition. But fortunately for us, Hebrews 11, one gives us a great definition of what it looks like. It says that now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. All right. So basically it's the assurance that the things that we can't see are real. All right. So this is what faith means. So this is what it looks like for us to have this joy through our trials as our faith is being tested for perseverance. Okay, whenever you put the, those those together, you almost get a ma- mathematical equation. Again, I'm a science teacher, so this is kind of how my brain works. You end up getting a mathematical equation, trials plus joy equals perseverance and faith. All right, I, I want to definitely recommend you guys go check out Acts chapter 5, especially towards the end. Um, during that time, Peter and the apostles, I think I've made, mentioned this on the podcast before but Peter and the apostles they are literally being beaten in the courtyards they're being beaten by Roman soldiers uh again this was a heavy time of persecution in the Roman empire um they're getting beaten and dragged off to prison and then They're being let go saying, don't go out and preach the gospel anymore. And what do they do? They go back out to the courtyards right where they were before, back out into the public places, and they're preaching the gospel again, probably still beaten and bruised and healing from their wounds from the last time the guards got a hold of them. All right. And I'll read this verse real quick, just because this is such a powerful statement because of the context of what they're saying here. So this is Acts chapter five, verse 40 says, And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Verse 41. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy. There's that spiritual joy. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. I mean, holy cow, like that is exactly what James is saying here in verses four or I'm sorry, verses two and three of James one. And we're only three verses into this thing. Like this is why I like James so much because it's so, so in your face and so confrontational about what is going on here. All right. So really I could probably stop this episode right now and be perfectly fine, but let's keep on going here. Okay. So meditate on those two things two verses right there and let's keep going all right so verse four and let steadfastness again perseverance let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing now i had a little bit of trouble with this one kind of wrapping my brain around what james is saying here but i think i've kind of got got the gist of what he's trying to get out here and it's that as a result of our of our perseverance we will eventually reach Spiritual maturity. Okay. I think everybody, hopefully, everybody has somebody in their life or at least met somebody who is a spiritual mature person. The spiritual maturity only comes from our faithful perseverance. We cannot become mature without these struggles and without these trials, and we cannot become mature without these challenges because those are the things, as I was saying before, think about like a weightlifter somebody who lifts weights or exercises, you have to break down your muscles first in order for them to be built back up. Same kind of thing with our faith, we have to be broken down in order to be built back up. And these, as this occurs over and over and over again, you know, throughout our lives, we end up with this scenario, with this spiritual maturity in our lives. Okay, so to be mature and complete and perfect, as it mentions, is to be Spiritually mature, and that ultimately this is God's goal. Like God's goal is for us to be spiritually mature. We see it in other books of the Bible where uh, Paul writes about perseverance. He, um, I think, they're actually I'm drawing a blank on what the actual verse is right now, but there's a a uh, verse or a passage where talking. Uh, I think it I think it was Paul saying that you know that you believers are wanting milk. When really you're ready for meat, you're, one, you're ready for real food. And, uh, you know, I may have just completely butchered it, but some of you guys may know what I'm picking up on there. But basically the spiritual maturity is, is going only going to come through the perseverance of our faith through tough times. Okay, so that kind of wraps up that, that little passage right there. Those two sentences right there, like I said, of James, where he's just coming straight out of the gates, hard and heavy. All right, so verse five here. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. All right, so again, this is a a pretty tough one. Um, You know, I think wisdom, I think the, the whole gist of what this one's saying is that wisdom ultimately comes from God. He is the source of wisdom. So whenever we're asking for wisdom, whenever we're seeking wisdom, and not just knowledge, wisdom is not knowledge, okay, you can... Be as book smart as possible. You can know everything about everything. Well, not nearly, but you know what I'm saying, but you may be very unwise. You may not have the wisdom necessary to be able to be successful and be able to know the things that, uh, you know, that God ultimately wants us to know. Okay. So God is the source of true wisdom. Okay. And he is willing to give it to us. Okay. And on one condition, as it says right here, let him ask God, you have to ask, and you have to do it in a way. I think I might be getting ahead of myself here, but you have to do it in a way that is not going to be selfish. Okay, I think this is going to be mentioned a little bit later on in the book of James. But you have to do it in a way that's not going to be selfish, not going to be self-seeking. It's not going to be, uh, you know, something that is going to only glorify yourself. Okay, ask God humbly for this wisdom that He has. Okay, so wisdom is a necessity in trials. We have to have wisdom. In order to be able to get through these trials, and and again, God is the source of that wisdom. Okay, He holds all knowledge of everything, He holds all perspectives of everything, and ultimately He holds all experiences of everything. Knowledge, perspective, and experiences—putting all those things together—is how you get wisdom. And God knows all those things. All right, as far as the wisdom part goes, kind of carries on a little bit to what I was just saying here in verse six. So, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. All right. So this is something that I've struggled with. And if anybody is truly honest, they have probably struggled with it as well. And that's doubt. So whenever we're asking for, we're asking for this wisdom, we can't have doubt in our hearts. Okay. Because ultimately it's not going to, it's not going to work out for us. When we ask, we believe, and we do not doubt. We may doubt God in the midst of our trials. Okay. We do not doubt. Now, uh, you know, I've been pretty fortunate. I've been pretty blessed with, you know, pretty good health. I'm 29 years old. I'm healthy up to this point. Um, hopefully it stays that way, but I can imagine you know, I've also got kids and it, it, it literally breaks my heart to sit here and think about, you know, my kids being sick, you know, having some kind of terminal illness or something. And or, you know, some kind of tragic accident occurs, you know, these types of extreme trials that, you know, a lot of people face on a daily basis. And it, it truly breaks my heart to, to think about people going through those scenarios. And, um, you know, I obviously pray that that is never the case for myself. And I hope it never is. But I can definitely see how, you know, people, you know, this is just the the sinful, the selfish human side of me. I can see how people could doubt God. You know, you hear it all the time. Um, You know, why would God do this to us? Or why would, uh, you know, this happen to us if God loved us? And why this? You know, I think it's, it's such a hard concept to try to tackle because we are also coming from it. Uh, from a perspective of, of human nature. So it's hard for us to really wrap our minds around, you know, why these these types of trials occur. But ultimately, we have to understand, we have to have that faith that we mentioned before, that God is going to get us through it. You know, he's going to do it for his, his glory. So this doubt when it comes to asking for wisdom is this definitely difficult. Um, doubt is often seen as the, the opposite of faith. Okay, so it uses the uh, the analogy, the scenario here of uh, like a wind or like a wave in the sea or blown and tossed by the wind. You know, things that are strong, things that are sturdy, which we're going to get to here in just a second in the upcoming verses, they don't have that kind of reaction to things. Okay, so if you think of a, a strong building, it's not being, and anytime it gets hit by, by water, I think of like lighthouses or something. You know, those are some pretty strong, sturdy buildings and they're, built in a way engineered in a way to where they can withstand strong winds that come off the sea they can withstand waves whenever it hits it you know they're built in a cylinder type of fashion so that you know those waves kind of go around it and the wind kind of works its way around it rather than squared face houses like what we kind of have so being that white house type structure being sturdy on the rocks it gives it that that option to be able to withstand the waves from the sea and in the wind you know maybe that's not what james is trying to say here that's kind of the way i took it um you know jesus also kind of referenced that same kind of thing that those that are built on him him as the rock will be ones that are strong they won't be knocked down by the wind you know again I'm, i know the the reference i just can't tell you where it is in the bible um send me a message on instagram if you're super interested in that and i will do my best to find that uh but that's basically what he's saying here verse six all right so let's move on here this is going to kind of reinstate that point I just made. Verse seven: For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And verse eight: He is a double-minded man, unstable. Okay, there's that word in all his ways. All right, so doubters—they're not—they won't receive the wisdom that they wish to gain. Okay, they may ask God, but they're doing it out of selfish ambition. They may do it out of selfish, uh, I guess, opportunities. You know, God is going to grant us wisdom in trials, and we have to ask in a humble way. Okay, And it's not like it's some kind of like a, uh, you know, God, I did this for you. Give me what I want now. Okay, that's not humility. We have to do it in a way where we are expecting God to do what he told us he's going to do as long as we do what we're we're supposed to do. Okay, God is has a perfect track record in, in terms of keeping his promises, and that's something that I think is what's mentioned right here. Is that in these trials, in this time of of hard times, regardless of what's going on in our lives, God promises to give us that that wisdom that He has that only He is able to hold. Verse eight, the ones that are doubters, the ones that are having a hard time with this, they're double minded. They're not one minded. They're not they're not focused on God alone. They're focused on other things. They're they're focused on something else. So double minded. And they're unstable in many ways. Now, mature followers, we talked about spiritual maturity a second ago. Mature followers are not unstable. As I mentioned before, again, I'm drawing a blank on the reference. I should have uh, looked it up beforehand. Jesus mentions that he is the rock and that those that are built on him, built on whose faith is built on him, will not be tossed by the wind. They will not be collapsed by storms, they will be strong on that rock. They will have a firm foundation on that rock. So our faith and our hope has to be in Jesus. All right. So part of what I wanted to do with this, uh, this series and really, you know, moving forward. So I wanted all of these type of things to end on, uh, you know, centering around Jesus. So of course our hope has to be on, has to be in Jesus. Our faith has to be grounded in Jesus. So what's so special about Jesus? Well, he is, and maybe you've listened to the Roscoe podcast and you hear the name, you hear the name and you know, culture and you don't really know who he is. So Jesus is the Messiah. What a Messiah is, is somebody that is comes to rescue us. He's the King. All right. So he's the one that is, has come to rescue us and is the savior. His name literally means salvation. Come to rescue us naturally. Your next question would be, "Rescue us from what?" That is a eternal separation from God. So, going back to the very beginning of the Garden of Eden, very beginning of creation, God had the intention of creating humans to be in fellowship with Him, and humans were tempted away from that lifestyle and fell into sin. As soon as that first sin occurred, we became separated. From God, as a result, because we wanted to to have our own knowledge of good and evil, we wanted to ha- become our own gods in in a sense, and you definitely see that still to this day. And as a result, we have become separated from God. But Jesus came. Jesus is God in flesh form, God in human form, in order to sacrifice Himself on a cross. It's like, why did He have to sacrifice Himself? What is the relevance of that? Well, Jewish law, Jewish custom in the Old Testament was that a unblemished animal, typically a lamb, an unblemished lamb, so one that is perfect in its appearance, perfect perfect in all ways, would have to be sacrificed and then burned as an incense to God, as an offering to God, as a means of uh, appeasing him. Okay, so that was Jewish law, that was Jewish custom in the Old Testament. So as the result, Jesus, as we mentioned before, God in flesh came and became that ultimate sacrifice. That's why he's mentioned as the lamb. He is the unblemished lamb. He was sinless lived a sinless life, never sinned. He was tempted in all ways that we are, but he never sinned. He never gave into that, that temptation. So he was an unblemished lamb that sacrificed himself on the cross for us. Okay, he bridged that gap that was created in the Garden of Eden, or I guess after the Garden of Eden, during the fall of man. He bridged that gap, created a bridge for us to get back to fellowship with God. Now, that is a very condensed version of what the gospel is, but that is what I want to challenge you guys. You know, reading through James 1 verses 1 through 8 is that Christ is the rock that we, our life should be built upon our life has to be built on Christ without him. We have the, the worldly chaos that we see right now. Those of us that are still strong and still holding to Christ who's withstanding this, these trials that are coming in many forms, you know, we are, we are being built up by God. Our faith is being built up in him. And I pray that you guys also will have that life that is built upon Christ. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, next time uh i'm gonna start working through the next next section of verses here um like i said i will we'll, we'll kind of work through the whole book of james that's my intention with this and if it gets to the point where i am not holding to that i want somebody to send me a message on instagram tell me to get back to it get back to james all right so if you guys don't follow me on instagram it's at rice um make sure you guys check out my buddy wes so wes ironton Um, had him on, uh, I think it was the last podcast. He's creating a, an awesome rice elite show. Okay. it's actually got a pretty interesting story on how me and him met. Um, so he's creating a rice elite show on YouTube. Uh, season one will be on YouTube. It's releasing March 1st. So coming up here very soon. So make sure you guys check him out on, on YouTube. Make sure you guys check him out on Instagram. Make sure you guys check him out on Facebook Everywhere he's got that going, you can also listen to this podcast. He's got it. He was gracious enough to put a link for the Rice Kill Eat podcast on his website, and it's RiceKillEat.com. All right, so you guys can check it out there. Uh, make sure you guys do that. Thank you guys for joining me today. Hopefully this was encouraging to you. Um, I will try, maybe next time I'll try to shorten it down a little bit, try to make these a little bit uh, more bite-sized for you guys. But nonetheless, this was a heavy uh, first section here and it gets better from there okay i don't know i don't know about better but it gets good from there also so subscribe to the rescue league podcast and i will see you guys next time